0: to the Redeemer 20s Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. Good evening, guys and gals. It is a pleasure to, to be able to bring to you the Word tonight. Um, so I, <clears throat> sometimes I think, man, it's why am I here preaching? And I think the I, you know, self gets in the way, and I'm like, you know what, this is not about Chad. This is about God and the Word. And so I, that's what really gets me excited, to be able to share the Word to you tonight. Um, but if, if, to many people, family means a lot. So it's our heritage or our ancestors um, they have a significant impact on our life, right? I knew my grandfather. I was probably mid-20s when I, when he passed away, but I knew him as a super hard-working guy. He was, he loved the Lord. He loved others. Um, he was always interested in hearing what I had to say. I mean, I remember going up to his apartment when he was in a nursing home, and, uh, of course, I mean, he was kind of captivated by a wheelchair, but he, just, he was always very interested in what, what is going on in my life and, and how am I doing. And never did I ever see a grumbly, a sour attitude. Um, I, I don't know if, if he ever even got mad because I never saw that in him. What I saw was a man who loved the Lord and he loved his family. And that's what mattered most to him was that his family knew the Lord. I mean, he was a man of few words, so when he spoke, you listened. And so, But the thing that he handed down to my father was not a boatload of cash, was not a business where it had millions of capital in the bank. But what he handed down to my dad was a legacy of loving Christ, loving others, and wanting people to know the Lord. That was what is most important, that he handed down to my dad, and my dad handed that down to me, and I passed it on to my kids and to the grandkids, and that's a chain that I hope that I pray never gets broken, is that legacy of loving the Lord with all of our heart. And so, so I think of a legacy, it really has an impact on the people around us, or the the people that come behind us, so to speak. Um, you know, where, what are they remembered for? What, you know, if I say the word um, Caiaphas, Pilate, Pharisees, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear about the Pharisees? Uh, exactly. Is that something you want to be known for? No. That's not a, yeah, that's not a, that's not a, a legacy that anybody wants to leave. Um, but if I say, are names like mary uh peter Paul, Jesus what's the first word that comes to your mind anybody when I hear Jesus, I yeah, yeah it's a positive impact, isn't it that's positive and that's what that's what we want to have is when somebody says our name, do they? is it a negative impact negative reminder or is it a positive one one that says this man really loves the Lord. He loves others. He wants to see um, what is best for you and help you get to that point. So <clears throat> I guess so the title of my sermon is called A Lasting Legacy. And so when we think of, of what we're going to read here tonight, it just came to my mind. It's like, what, is, what are the Pharisees, what are they known for? What comes to mind? Um. And it's something that I would never want to be attached to my name. So let's let's turn to John chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 45 through the end. Um, so if we just remember, we just got through with, um, in previous here, that Jesus brought back Lazarus from the dead. Um, it's just, I mean, he'd been dead four days. And if you know anything, they didn't have embalming fluid back then, but if you know anything about Like growing up on a hog farm, a pig died. It didn't take long for that thing to stink and decompose. And so these people just witnessed a miracle, a miracle of Jesus bringing somebody back to life. That that doesn't happen. That's not an everyday occurrence. And so as we read here in verse 45, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So that from day that so from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness. We all make choices. We have choices every day of our life, you know, whether some are good, maybe some are not so good. Um, Maybe it's in what we say, what we think, how we treat others, um, how we respond to a certain circumstance that was maybe good or bad. Um, But our actions and our choices say a lot about who we are. So point number one, I almost forgot to tell you, is make wise decisions. If we want to leave a lasting legacy, we need to make wise choices. So you make choices like maybe in the morning you hit the snooze, and then you hit the snooze, and then you hit the snooze, and then finally your alarm quits going off. But that says something about you, right? It says you're not a morning person. And so <laughs> not everybody is a morning person. But so maybe you're the guy or the gal that is weaving in and out of traffic on Alpine or on Perryville, trying to get to work on time because you hit that snooze too many times. But you're trying to you're just weaving in, you're speeding. That says maybe you're a poor judgment of time, or that you love to take um, meals to those that are shut in, or somebody that is is handicapped or they can't get out and rake their leaves. You like to to. Uh, just go and help out where needed. Maybe it's odd jobs around the house. Maybe it's getting groceries for somebody. That says a lot about you. That says you're very hospitable. Um, I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of other things that we could come up with, but you get the point. What you say, what you do, the choices that you make say a lot about who we are. And so, but if we look at this text right here um, in verse 45, these people, the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what he did. And believed in him. They just had a huge miracle. They just witnessed it right before their very eyes. That this that Jesus brought somebody back to life. You know, it's a huge deal. And they chose to believe in Jesus. They saw the works that he did and they chose to believe in him. But some of them didn't. They had to go and tell the Pharisees about this is what Jesus did. And they they they're skeptics, right? So, but you know I was thinking about, okay, what would have been like what would have if I was there watching that? would I be one to choose to believe, or would I be a skeptic and I think do we hear of a lot of miracle, modern day miracles they happen um i and I, I remember a movie uh, quite a while ago it's called Miracles for Heaven from heaven it's based on a true story about this young girl <clears throat> that had this rare medical disease. It was a, um, I can't remember, what was it called? It was an incurable digestive tract where she couldn't digest food, right? And so if you can only imagine, she's getting skinnier and her stomach is really getting to be big. I mean, she was like a nine-year-old girl, and it's like, that just, that isn't right. That's It's incurable, and so eventually she was going to die. Her mom tried everything. Different doctors, they, she wanted to get a diagnosis. What can we do? I want to save my daughter. One day, she was out in the yard playing with her sibling up in a tree. And if you know how big oak trees are, when they split, there's a big, a lot of times, they're hollow inside. And it was right where there was a fork, and she happened to fall down in the side, inside that trunk of this tree head first, and knocked unconscious. Maybe she died. I don't know. But when the rescuers got her out of there, something miraculous happened to where she started to, to heal and be cured of this incurable disease the doctors couldn't figure out, and nobody knew how to take care of it, how to handle it. It's this is a miracle, right? Nothing that the doctors could do or figure out, but yet falling headfirst into a tree trunk, she is cured. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody that's <laughs> had sickness, you know? <laughs> But, but it's unexplainable. It's truly a miracle. And this is what her mom had been praying for, and it comes in crazy ways. But God healed this young lady, this young girl, in a miraculous way. You know, they can people that hear this story, they can choose to believe this and believe it's true because God does do these things. Or there's those that are critics, say, ah, circumstances you know, but no, this is a, thats a choice that they made, they chose to believe that this is a miracle, this is a work of God, and it's the same thing with the people here hanging around Jesus, they had that choice, rumors and stories that they've heard about Jesus, um, doing healing people, and um, curing all their sicknesses, and they choose to believe, they finally see it, they choose to believe, you know, nowadays this would probably make the 5 o'clock news if that happened here, of Jesus bringing somebody back from the dead. I mean, I can't imagine going to a visitation and somebody stepping up the cask and saying, Grandma, get up, and she gets up. That, that'd probably freak a lot of us out, But it's, but that's exactly what Jesus did. He called him forth. And, you know, and some did not, and he's like, how can you not believe something when it is so evident? But yet... How many times does God do something right in front of our eyes and he does something miraculous and maybe we're a skeptic or maybe we miss it because we chalk it up to circumstances. Um, But we need to open our eyes to see what God is doing about us. But the skeptics in this passage was interesting to me. This is the the part that that I just scratched my head on. It's like they go and they tell the Pharisees what Jesus just did. Hey, this guy just brought somebody back from the dead. What are you going to do about it? So they gathered together the council and said, what are we going to do? Now they have a decision to make on what Jesus did. And, but their decision was based on their self-preservation, wasn't it? Because it says if we let him go on like this, they understand that he, he did these signs. He know, they know that Jesus, I mean, Nicodemus says, we know that you're a man from God. But they were more concerned about whether or not their status, their place in the kingdom, in man's kingdom or in the Jewish community would be taking this because if we let him go on like this, everyone's going to believe in him, and then the Romans will come take away our place, and he'll take away our nation. Instead of embracing what Jesus did, they're more like, okay, we got, there's, what are we going to do? We think, well, it's just simple, but yet... There's a spiritual warfare going on in their hearts and in their minds, to where they're really battling with self over Jesus. So, but we think, well, it's just a simple decision, but but to them it was not, and they cared more about their position in the kingdom, in um, where they were at, than they did about Jesus. So, but what about us? Are there things in our lives where we care more about our status or our identity, or our name, our position at work, than we do for standing up for things that are right? I remember one time back when I was working as a mechanic at a Case IH dealership. Very, thank you very much. It was a bit the good one. But as a mechanic, I was, you know, I did work on tractors, and so I did warranty work on some of the newer ones, and. One of the tractors had an issue, and I fixed it. But I found out that the tractor was out of warranty. And the salesman was like, I mean, he was always trying to drum up more business. He's like, just write it up on the ticket that it's in warranty, and we'll process it as warranty. I said, Mike, I can't do that. It's out of warranty by a month. Yeah, but we can, we can squeeze it through. I said, I'm not going to lie. I said, if you want to do it on your contents, you can. I'm not writing it up as warranty. And so I didn't care what he thought of me. I didn't care how, whether or not he was being good graces with him. But I knew that I could not lie in my conscience. I had to tell the truth. I had a choice to make. So what about when sometimes um, being in college, you get some pretty um, teachers that may be a little far out, and they like to make fun of the Christians. They like to make fun of the Bible. They crack a joke. Do we laugh like the rest of the class or do we just to hold um, so we don't get looked down upon or do we stand up for what is right and say, you know what, that's not funny. That's, that's actually making fun of the God of the universe that created you and me and, you know, maybe we'll get made fun of by then. But do we stand up for what is right or do we have that, that desire to fit in? So we all have choices, different ways. I just list a few, but there's different ways in our lives that we have choices to make, whether to do right or to do wrong. And we need, to, in order to live and leave a lasting legacy, is to make right choices. Um, Just last Sunday, I met a guy in church here who was telling me that back in his college years, he played baseball. And the very first practice, at the end of practice, all the team was all going to go, and they were going to have a party. So he was invited to this party. They said, don't worry about drugs, alcohol, anything. That'll all be provided. Just come to the party and have a blast, get drunk, stoned, whatever. <clears throat> and he's like, "And you know, okay, I could go to this party, and I could kind of fit in with the rest of the guys in the team. But as he's leaving, he saw two guys down on third base. They were kneeling down in prayer at the end of the practice. And he had a choice to make. Do I go with the group and hang out and be part of the crowd? Or do I connect myself with those two guys who are praying to the Lord and doing what is right? Did he make the right choice? He did. He decided, I'm going to connect with those two guys on third base and pursue the Lord. And he said that, that was the best decision. One of the best decisions of my life was to follow after and to do what is right. To, even though it wasn't popular but I knew what I was doing was right, and those guys impacted my life in so many ways, I can't explain it. And so he had a choice. And so but when we make decisions, some of the decisions that we make, the choices we make are split decisions. But we still need to, or some of them are big decisions in our life. But we need to ask ourselves, is, this, is my decision about being obedient? Is it honoring the Lord? Or is this decision that I make, is it going to be more about me? Do my actions reflect the gospel, or do they reflect me? Will people see Jesus in me and the decisions that I make? And am I keeping kingdom purposes at the forefront of my mind? Which that brings me to the second point of to, leave, to live and leave, leave, and that's a tongue twister, a lasting legacy. We need to keep kingdom purposes in mind, right? You know, as we read further on in the answer to the, the Pharisees when they said, what should we do, uh, Caiaphas, and he's the high priest that year, and the high priest was like the ultimate in the Jewish community as far as religious status, and he worked very closely like one-on-one with Pontius Pilate, and so he was, you know, like if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to lose my status, my, my camaraderie with Pilate. And I want my, you know, I want to be up there, right? But, so he made a statement. It was actually a prophecy. And the way he said it, um, I mean, if you translate it kind of in today's terms, where he says, you know nothing at all, basically he's, you guys are idiots. Don't you know that it's better that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish? He was worried about his nation not God's kingdom. And, you know, even though what he said was right, because it was a prophecy, yes? Yeah, yep, that's that's further down here, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're right. And so, but what he said was true, but it was dead wrong because his purposes, his motive was not to further the kingdom of God. It was to further his own kingdom. So it's kind of like if you know, you know somebody that, that talks, and, and, and they just go on and on and on. They've got everything is what you do is better than them, or what they do is better than anything you've ever done. And you think, and he's saying on and on, and you think, man, this guy, he has no clue what he's talking about. But yet some of the things that he's saying are true. But then why does he say it? Why does he go on to, to act like he is somebody it's because he wants to, in your, in, he wants to make it so that in my mind, I think that he's something. And that's what Caiaphas did. His motives were saying that he was to, he wanted to convince the Pharisees and the rulers of the word, that his word was truth, that his word was the gospel. Was, he was right because you know he's a high priest, so they're going to respect me. Then I'm going to make this choice. And and he thought that by this is the ironic thing. He thought that by putting Jesus to death would silence the followers and that would be it. But it's ironic because by putting Jesus to death, the followers of Jesus actually multiplied by hundreds and millions, thousands of millions. It was to to today. Here we are, followers of Christ. He couldn't silence us. But that was God's plan. There's no way. I mean, so Caiaphas' evil intent God used it for good to bring about salvation for every one of us. There's no way that we can, there's nothing we can do to change God's mind, to thwart God's plan. I love it in Isaiah 14, 27. It says, for the Lord of hosts has purpose, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? I mean, it's a question like nobody. There's nobody going to to change God's mind, his plan that he has set forth. So, does that mean that we can continue to do whatever we want? We can do evil because God's going to take it for good? No. That's like saying, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Like Paul says, no. He says, we're, we're still to c- commanded to follow, after, follow Jesus and his commands. Um, Jesus left us one command. He left one command to his disciples, which for us as well, in Matthew 28:19, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of our, our mission statement right here at Redeemer, is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And so we are to continue in the work of God's kingdom and His purposes. So you know if we want to preserve our own name like the Pharisees did that would that's one thing that would not be on our bucket list would be to preserve the kingdom of God or, or further the kingdom of God but if we want to live a lasting legacy to those who come behind us we need to follow Jesus we need to teach the word of God to those around us disciple each other encourage one another to love and to good works to further the kingdom we can't serve We can't serve two masters. I I love that because you think about it, it's it's either one or the other. You think, well, I can do a part-time job here. I can do a part-time job here. But that's not what he's talking about. He said, you can't serve yourself and serve me because we're either going to further your own kingdom or you're going to further God's kingdom. And Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. I don't know about you guys, but I have enough against me in my own life that I don't need Jesus against me too. So I think I'm going to be with Jesus. So I love in, uh, in Colossians 3.23, it's kind of been one of my staple verses. Um, but it says, whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord and not for men. Let's work for the kingdom purposes and not for our own our own purposes. You know, we're, when we're called to share the gospel, what do we have in mind? Are we doing it because we're told to or do we do it because we genuinely love God? people we want them to be in heaven with us we want them to have that same peace and joy in their lives as what we have and so it doesn't matter how they're going to respond what they're going to think of us we just need to keep the the focus in our mind of being um, stewards for God and and sharing the gospel as we we're called to do so so when we think about all of our hopes our desires to see the kingdom of of God advance, another thing that we have to do, which is point number three, is to protect your heart. So in verse 53, if we look at it, once they figured out that, okay, we got to kill this guy, um, it says, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Now they were putting their evil plan into action. It said, evil, wicked men will devise wicked things when they want something bad enough, they're going to do whatever it takes to get it accomplished, right? That's why you think, okay, somebody that is addicted to to crack or to heroin, I'm just saying this because I don't know it, but they'll do whatever it takes to get the money so that they can buy more because they're so addicted, they're so involved, they're so deep into it that they don't see a way out, and so all they can do is press forward with with what, what they're doing. And so... And that's exactly what the Pharisees are doing here. There's only three things that the Pharisees could, by their law, put people to death. And one was murder, one is adultery, and the third one is blasphemy. Well, Jesus is none of those. And so they had to come up and devise a plan that they could convince Pharaoh, or not Pharaoh, Pilate, that's that's long ago, Pilate, to uh, to how they could. Put him to death, how they could get rid of him Because they couldn't, according to their law, put him to death because Jesus didn't violate any of their laws he came he fulfilled the law, right, so they had to in their in their hearts which were so dark they had to come up with a plan of how to get rid of Jesus, though so to preserve their self, and that's the darkness that was in their heart. Self-righteous liar. What's that? Self-righteous liar. yep, yep. And so when you think of darkness, we think of darkness in their heart, how does how that metaphor or that saying, when you think of darkness, what is darkness? It's not something. It's the absence of something. Darkness is the absence of light. We shut all these lights off. It won't be complete darkness. They're still out there. But there will be darkness in here because we shut the lights off. And that's what our hearts are. When our hearts are dark, it's because it's the absence of something. It's the absence of Jesus. And Jesus is that light. He's the light in our life. We need to flee from that darkness and to run to the light, run to Jesus. I I think about in a dark cave. If you're on the outside and you walk into a cave, the further you go in, the darker it gets. And the only way to have freedom from that darkness is to come towards the light, right, to turn towards the light. It's natural if you're in a dark cave and you want to get out, you naturally will gravitate to the light at the end of the cave, or the light at the end of the tunnel. And so that's it. And Jesus is that light. Once we hit that light, there's freedom. There is is life out there. I don't know, have any of you ever been to like Mammoth Cave or any of the, the big caves and where you take a tour down in there? Has anybody ever been there and they shut the lights off? What do you see? Nothing. I tried it one time. I put my hand right here, and I could not even see it. It's crazy. And that's the way we are. It's like when we're in darkness, we can't see to know to do what is right. We're depending on Christ because he is our light. But, you know, in protecting our heart, how do we... I was thinking if if I would stop reading my Bible, I would stop praying, I would stop coming to 20s or the life group or stop coming to church, surrounding my people with God... (laughs) Surrounding myself with godly people, I think I would turn in a pretty quick way, into darkness, into a place of utter despair because I'm not surrounding my people. I'm not doing the things to help me protect my heart. I'm no longer walking in the light of God's word and fellowship with him and fellowship with believers. And so <clears throat> we need that. We need to be surrounded with fellow believers. We need to be in the word, protecting our heart, praying and asking God to protect us, put a hedge around us, that we can be and live and leave a lasting legacy. When I think of protecting our heart, um, I think of Galatians 6 where Paul is telling us to put on the whole armor of God. And I want you to picture, I mean we've heard this so many times. But I, and as, as I'm writing this down the other day, I'm, like, I'm just thinking, picturing how are we protecting our heart. We have the, blessed, the belt of truth. That kind of holds everything together, right? The belt of truth, the truth of the God's word. And you have the breastplate of righteousness. So you're picturing a soldier, and so we're going to outfit him, get him ready for war. He's got this big, heavy metal breastplate that's going to protect him from any sword, any beaten, I don't know, dagger, arrows, whatever. It's going to protect him from that. That shield or that breastplate protects his vitals, his lungs, his heart. The shoes protect. Readiness given by the gospel. the Readiness to hear the gospel, to live the gospel. The shield of faith to protect against flaming darts of the evil one. And I was just thinking how the shield, you think, well, it's just right here and I'm here. But back then, there used to be archers that would be on the wall. I think it talks about it in Hezekiah's time, too, I remember. But these archers, anybody, anybody do archery besides me? Okay. You know that if you shoot straight on, your arrow is only going to go for a certain far and then drop. So, but if you go like this, that arrow carries a lot further, and it goes a long ways. And so that's how they used to would fight uh, from a long distance. They'd be archers, and they'd be just shooting up here like this. Well, how are you going to protect if you've got 1,000 arrows coming at you? How, how does a person protect themselves? They had their shields, and they would bring them together as an army, as a team, and they'd bring them all together and form this rock-solid wall. Where all those darts would hit the shield and it wouldn't penetrate too, because you could have a shield and you think you're darting this one, all of a sudden one comes in and gets you. And so they work together to using that shield to protect themselves. And that's kind of what we do here as a church, as a body of believers. <clears throat> we band together, we protect, we, we help each other protect our hearts um, through accountability, really, and, and prayer. So we have the helmet of salvation. And then we have our fighting tool, the sword of the spirit, the sword of God's word. That That is what helps us protect ourselves against the schemes of the devil. You know, in modern day, we don't have breastplates, brass but police, soldiers, they have this, they look like they're really stocky people in those cars. They got a vest of Kevlar. There's a bullet can't penetrate. Why do they wear them? So if they get in a firefight with some crazy dude, that's going to protect their vitals, their heart. And so... So we think about it, we need to have Kevlar on to protect our hearts from the schemes of the evil one. So later it says in Galatians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And you think of our bodies as heavenly places because we have the Spirit of God living within us. And so we need to protect our heart from the schemes, the forces of the evil one. But I love it, too, when Paul is telling Timothy, <clears throat> another way that he protects himself is, Paul is telling Timothy that there's these false teachers. There's these people that are um, they're greedy. They're, it's all about their selfish desires, how, what, what they can do, step on every people's toes to get what they want, their own desires. But he tells Timothy, but you, O man of God. He's addressing him as a man of God to flee these things Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. He said fight the good fight of faith. And if we're not fighting against, um, if we feel like we're not in a battle, in a conflict. I remember when when I was growing up, a pastor said one time, if if we don't feel like we're in a spiritual battle, maybe we aren't. Maybe we're to where we are coasting away and walking away from the Lord and not in a battle fighting the good fight of faith. So, but when we're constantly seeking after the Lord, we're continuing to build upon that solid rock, that cornerstone of the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So, but it is, so if we look at um, the lasting legacy of making wise decisions, how to keep our kingdom purposes in mind with the decisions that we make in our lives, and to protect our heart, that's going to that's building a legacy that we pass on. That we have that fire, that energy, that passion that we want to pass that on to the next generation. I know there's some of us here that have kids, grandkids. Maybe you're single yet. You don't. You can't see that far in the future, but God has that plan for you. You know, we want to prepare your hearts now, protect your hearts, so that you can leave that lasting legacy. So just like um, the actions of the Pharisees, they're supposed to be followers of the law, of God's law, and yet they are fighting against the very God who gave them the law because they want to preserve their own self. And so that leaves an, uh, a negative impact on us, but we want we want to leave a positive impact on the world that we live in, rub shoulders with the world, not in the in the world, but not of the world, that people may see Jesus. So, and I love this, this one verse. I'm going to leave you with this. But it's in First Peter. We talk about a lasting legacy. We talk about an inheritance that God has given us. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our rock. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to what? to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you and for me, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. God has caused us to be born again, and he is guarding us through faith. And so that's a, that's a legacy that we can live with, that we can live on. So I have one question as I close here. So as I asked in the beginning, when I said, what is the first thing that comes to mind when we think of Caiaphas, or the first thing when we talk about Paul or Peter? But if your name is mentioned in a crowd, in a conversation, what is the first thing that will come to somebody's mind about your name, about you? Are they going to say, yeah, this guy was all about himself, and he was so stuck on himself that it it was... Nobody wanted to be around Or are they going to say, I don't know, are they going to see Jesus in you? Lord, we come before you tonight grateful for what you have done, the legacy that you have left us, Lord. The inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. And Lord, it just spurs us on to... To want to share that gospel, to share that message with others, Lord, that that they too can have that inheritance, that they too can live a legacy of righteousness that um, that glorifies you. Lord, ultimately it's not about what we do, what we leave, but that people see only Jesus, because only Jesus, because it is only through him that we have eternal life and we have what we have, Lord. So just bless us as we go and guide our hearts, our minds, our conversations. We'll be glorifying and uplifting to one another, but it'll be glorifying to you in everything we do. In the name we pray. Amen.